afternoon, everyone. It's good to see you guys. Good. And some of you said it's good to be here. So, and uh, we know there are a number of people that are home today that can't make it. And we're just praying that. So, we're going to say hello to all of you and hope the technology is working well with you. And uh, we'll have a blessed Sabbath today. Anyway, only only inexperienced speakers talk about all those hangups in the night. So anyway, Cadillac saved me one night, and the glasses don't fit very well on me. But these little drugstore things work pretty good up close. But I thank God that we have what we have. The medical profession is able to. Help us out. Remember, uh, what was it, Isaac that got cheated that couldn't see and had to blow the lamb's bill or the animal's skin on it? Well, they can't get by that with us today. Anyway. But uh, what precipitated this message in a way, uh, I have a tendency, my wife and I, a lot of times on Sabbath after we go home and, and uh, play a little bit of sunlight work. TV evangelist, and uh, one of them gave a message similar to this, so if it sounds like I'm plagiarizing, well, we're, we're, we plagiarize, and any time we say anything about the Bible, you know, it's been around for so many years, you say anything, you're going to plagiarize somebody, but I'm not going to do, I'm just going to pick out a few things, basically the title of the thing, and maybe a few other things, are you walking with God? I didn't realize there were so many scriptures that talk about walking with God, and I'm not going to list all of them. I did give a list to Brian uh, back there in the sound booth, and oh my, that's a lot of scriptures. Well, for me it is. I don't, I don't believe in a lot of scriptures, but uh, uh, anyway. But yeah, the, but let me get these back on. Thank you for being here. What will people say about you when you're dead? Well, they were saying things about our brother Reggie that passed away just a few weeks ago. And uh, our pastor in the past, Mr. Gregory, for pastor for 37 years, asked me a similar question when I, one day when I came back from church in Oklahoma City. And he, he said, Dave, what would you want on your tombstone? And I said, oh, wow. Depends on how old I was and what they, you know, what they say. But anyway, what will people say about you when you're dead? Will they talk about how your love, your generosity, your knowledge, and how you relate to people? Will they say that? Or will they talk about your stinginess, your pride, the dishonesty, that you were an angry person? Or would they say that you walked with God? Today I'm going to give a few examples of walking God and, and maybe even a few prerequisites. And this is just scratching the surface, just barely getting into it. But uh, one thing, God must be the center of your thinking. Of our thinking. God must be the center of our thinking. Whatever we do, whatever we say, it really needs to have God at the center of that. And, and sometimes that's easier said than done.
turn to Genesis, fifth chapter. I told Brian, you know, he'll get there at last second meet, but I was thinking it was a little faster than I've made comments before. In fact, I really club up here. I've got an excuse, you know, for not being real clear. So I had to put these little markers in my old Bible so I could get to it quick. The, the pages, they've lost the strength of their, their traction, and, and you get older, your pages get, they lose their uh, moisture in you. You know, that's why I get in with the kind of a test. Anyway, if you turn with me to Genesis 5th chapter, verse 21 through 24. I may have to be off the board. And Enoch, this is clear, Enoch lived 60 and 5 years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. All the days of Enoch were 365 years. Verse 24. And Enoch walked with God. And he was not, for God took him. So we know that, that, that God took him. Some, some of the religions think, well, they took him and put him to heaven or something. It doesn't say that, but I'm not going to get into that. And while we're in this part of the Bible, we'll go ahead and, and, and turn that over if we could. Of course, we need to Genesis, the sixth chapter. Genesis 6 and verse 9. Most of you know what this is. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. And while I'm this part of the Bible, I think I'll turn back again. I'll turn over to Genesis 17. 17 verse 1. This was before God named Abraham. Abraham, his name was Abram at the time. But I'll give you just a little bit of background. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am the Almighty God. Walk. Before me, and be ye perfect. I think there's more of us trying to run well over here. We looked at the titles on the uh, bulletin we have there, and, and, and saw a marquee on it. Looks like bonus is on the little church marquees, and, and I may get it wrong myself. It said something like, "Don't run, but walk with God." What was that? Don't run with the world. To walk with God. So good point, good point. I'll put that down in my notes. I remember to say that. Uh, Micah, sixth chapter. I told you I'd be slow. Make me look good just to make sure I'm getting it up on the board. Micah right, 6, chapter and verse 8. I'll start at 7. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of lambs or ten thousands of lilies of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for, for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Listen to this. He has shown me, O oh man, 
what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly and walk humbly before God. So not only walk, but walk humbly before God. Another thing that we need to do to walk with God is to accept Jesus. And this is one, one that uh, I'm plagiarizing a little bit there. The, the, the Baptists and, and a lot of the good Protestants out there, we have a lot of good people in other churches. And one of their main things is, you know, everybody has sinned and comes short of the glory of God. And it's absolutely true. They have it in their pamphlets and, and uh, you know, that we need to, you know, for God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believe in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So but we have to accept Jesus. And uh, I've got a few scriptures in the New Testament that, that says that. It's a Mark 8 chapter. Mark 8, verse 34 through 38. And when he called the people to him, when he had called the people to him with the disciples, also he said unto them, Whatsoever or whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Verse 35, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's, the same shall save it. For he, uh, for what, verse 36, For what shall he, shall it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So there's the one scripture that my wife and I really took pretty seriously when we decided that, you know, we need to get off the pot or do something, you know, to uh, start keeping the Sabbath and obey God or not. And we, we thought, well, you know, look at the money we're going to lose by, by not working on Saturday. Look, we lose our job. But the scripture came up, what do we profit, if, you know, if we die and lose everything, lose our future, lose our millennium? Uh, most of us have things in our life that, that uh, we made mistakes later on. You know, years ago we made mistakes and we thought, boy, I could just do that over again. I, I've got things that, you know, when I was in high school, you know, I, I hated school. I really did not apply myself, and I paid dearly for that years to go, years to come. And uh, anyway, but uh, I don't want to live in the future with gnashing your teeth and some other things. So, whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, verse 38, of this idolatrous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes into the glory of His Father and glory over. So we want to, we want God on our side, and we want God and Jesus to know that we're not uh, uh, ashamed of Him. Luke 12 chapter, we're setting a thing. Take care of it here. Luke 12, verse 6 through 9. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings, and not one of them is forgotten? Before God, but even the very hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not what, therefore, 
you are of more value than many cows. Also, I say unto you, whosoever shall contest me before men, and we do that a lot of ways. By the way, we're just not like that. We're getting up on the soapbox. In, in conversation, in many ways, we can profess God. Who contests me before men, him shall the Son of Man also contest before the angels of God. But he that denies me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. So there are a lot of ways, and I'm not going to get into a lot of it today, a lot of ways that we can deny God and a lot of ways that we can confess God. And I had a situation just recently that it wasn't necessarily so hard, but I did did make a decision. Uh, I had the honor of presiding over the wedding of one of my granddaughters next week. And I feel very honored I was able to do that with my daughter, Becky, out in California. But the key is, you've got to have certain criteria before you can do that. And I'm not officially an ordained minister. I'm a deacon, but I'm not an ordained minister, so I can't do that legally. But I can get online and get credentials. You know, instantly I can get credentials and I can perform weddings and I do funerals anyway, but... Uh, I cannot agree with those philosophers, their overall philosophy. I have to agree to do all of this, and I can't, you know, I have to believe in their philosophy, which is very degenerative compared to what we do. So anyway, I, I refuse to do that. And the key for that is they go before somebody legally, either before or after, and perform the legal marriage. And we did that this week at Lucille and her Casey and the grandmothers. And um, so the, before God, we have the privilege of being before God this next week. Going, you know, this this is just about a three-minute message or so. And I think it goes up very long. But uh, anyway, but we can deny God in a lot of ways. Deny Jesus in a lot of ways. And I did not want to be guilty of, of doing something like that. Now, don't make me righteous, but uh, some ways that we can deny or accept God. Listen to God. There are a lot of ways we can listen to God. You know, a lot of times people will say, well, you listen to God by reading the Bible or, or listen to a message. Well, you know, we can listen to God a lot of times just on our knees praying. And I imagine some of you even have the same thing, even while you're still on your knees. That ideas and thoughts come to you. I've had that happen. I don't know how many times. Just you know, situations where I just don't know what to do. I'm torn, and just and, and I don't hear any voices. And maybe you do, maybe you don't. But uh, uh, sometimes we can listen to God just just by uh, being on our knees and, and praying and thinking. Trust God. We've got to trust God if we're going to walk with God. Uh, Proverbs 2, verse 5. 5 and 6. Very popular. In fact, I think my wife was a little quiet when she came up in the main bathroom in the house and she would come over preaching at it. And she took these little things up and on and uh, and walked out the way. You know, what comes over. Not that either. Anyway, but but it's a good it, it, it puts a subliminal thought there whether they actually pay attention to it or not. But 
uh, Proverbs 3, verse 5, Trust in the Lord with your all your heart. Trust Him with all your heart. Sometimes we have to do it. Sometimes it is a tough, tough thing to trust God and to do what God tells us to do. And I know a lot of you out here have proven that, that you've done that. And lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. He shall direct your path. Sometimes we wonder, well, is this really what God wants? But sooner or later, it will. You know, sometimes it, it, it don't make sense. It don't make sense to, to do what God does. I had a, years ago, before my wife and I even, even started attending church, uh, of course, we all wanted to make it happen as we did, but uh, I had an aunt that, that told us that uh, she knew it was what was expected out of the church organization, but uh, she said, I don't believe God would expect you to pay tithes, you know, when you've got a family to take care of. And, and uh, she said, I don't think God would expect a person to uh, lose their job for not working on the Sabbath. And, you know, human thinking, you think, well, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty good. But uh, the Scripture, for every, every argument we have, there's, there are answers in, in God's Word that will show us that God is right. Turn with me, if you will, over to 2 Corinthians in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 9. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always have a sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. And this is a scripture that uh, a lot of times we'll, we'll mention in the holy days, and the holy days when we have we pass the plate. You know, we don't we don't pass the plate uh, on a regular basis. We we pass a collection plate. And this is one of the scriptures we use. So, uh, I want to go back to verse 6 and start over. But I say, or this I say, he that sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he that sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. This is God's promise, and God says that. And uh, every, verse 7, every man according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, this is basically talking more about giving and all that. It's talking about the tithe. You've got to tithe anyway. Uh, and you might as well be in a good attitude about it. But the promises are still there no matter how you put the context. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. It's really a God can do. God, God can make anything turn out for your benefit. And all things may abound into every good work. I won't long go back over to the Old Testament, Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55 and verse 8 and 9.
verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, but I may not seem logical to you. You think I could do it a different way, but my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. Uh, just because we uh, accept certain lifestyles don't mean that God does. For my ways are not your ways. Saith the Lord, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So we look a long ways to where the heaven is, even to the first heaven up there. God's ways are a lot higher than ours, and if it don't make sense, we have to trust God. We have to trust God that this is going to work. Even, even we go backwards a little bit. Agree with God. That, that stands in there for reason. Uh, one scripture I want to use for that is Amos, the third chapter. Amos 3, verse 3. Can two walk together except they agree? Now, that's really hard, you know, to, to be with somebody, go into business with someone, and, and you have a total different philosophy, or you go into a marriage situation, and one of them, one of you is really converted, another person, they still like the old lifestyle. You know, can two walk together unless they agree? So there's a lot of implications that you have to walk in the same direction. This is a story that, not a story, but I guess an analogy that my wife mother gave her before she was married to, to, to this lovely man up here. Uh, she was a, an old farm girl. She grew up in the farm. In fact, at one time she was a mule skinner. You know what that is. You know, she, she burned mules and, and uh, 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 skidded logs down and all that and, and moved houses. But anyway, uh, Miss Bob said, Fred, you know, in a marriage, You've got to walk in the same direction. You know, you can't be pulling each other. Both, both the team of horses and the team, each, each of the team has to go in the same direction. And generally, you need to pull at the same thing. My uh, grandfather had a team of mules that my dad and my uncle used. And I remember up until I was, I don't know, eight, nine, ten years old. And, and, and my dad still used Jack and Pope. The name of the mule, Jack and Toad. And every once in a while, you'd hear my grandpa or somebody, they'd snap the reins on her, Toad, get over there, get up there, you know, get, you know, he'd pull the reins back, and and, uh, and then they'd lay on, Jack, pull a little harder, you know, and he'd snap the reins, and so they didn't both pull the load the same way. And, but anyway, but marriage is the same way. We've got to, for the most part, be together. You've got to be together with Calvary, you've got to be together in your philosophical outlook. You've got to agree with God. Obey God. Some more common scriptures go to uh, Acts, the fifth chapter, or the first one. Acts, fifth chapter. A little longer than some time I myself to cut out the way my time gets away from it. So, Acts 5, verse 16. Verse 16 through 32. There came also, there was the uh, uh, apostle, there was 
healing to him, talking about Jesus. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about into Jerusalem, bringing sick folk, and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. Boy, that's something. You, you know somebody's going to heal. Then the high priest rose, and all they that were with him, pictures of the, of the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation. Can you believe they were mad because they were healing somebody? And laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go and stand in the temple to the people all the work oh, to the people stand and speak to the people in the temple all these words. So can't you imagine you're already up there when Jonas is speaking now and they're telling you that. And when they heard that they entered into the temple in the morning and taught. But the high priest came and they that were with him and called the council together and called and all the sinners of the children of Israel were sent to the prison to have them brought out. But when the officer came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told them, saying, The prison too we found. There wasn't anything wrong with it. It was all locked up and all that. But, you know, the people, but when we had opened, we found no man with us. So we can't explain that. You know, we locked them up. Now when the high priest and a certain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they doubted of them wherein this would grow. So they knew this, this can't be good. It's going to be growing. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people lest they should have been stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we greatly command you that you should not teach in this name? You rebellious, hard-headed hicks. And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intent bringing this man's blood upon us. You know, we told you not to do that. Then, listen to this, verse 29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. So we have people out here that ended up obeying God rather than men. And that's over the prison part. You know, Steve, and there's probably others in here too that, uh, you know, rather than, than to be subject to our military, had to take the penalty. And I hope you don't understand that, Steve. And so that, uh, we have people that believe that we it's better to obey God than men. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. 
and being made perfect, he has become the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey him. So eternal salvation pertaining to whether or not we're going to obey God. We need to be consistent. We need to be consistent. Walk with God every day of our life. Turn over there. Second Corinthians thirteen. Next time I'll have my computer there and I'll have this stuff already written down. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How do you read? And he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. So we need to love God with all our heart. Sometimes it takes a while to do that. Sometimes it maturity and growth. We need to realize realize that God is beside you every single day, every single step. And, you know, academically, I know that myself, but sometimes I don't always 
believe that God's right here. You know, I wish He'd work in my tongue a little bit, but you know, God's God sitting out here beside all of you, no matter where you are. When you're driving down the car, I'm driving down the road in the car. God is with you. When we get mad at somebody and we start road rage or something, when we start using these blue letters out here, you know, cussing the brain, when we do that, I don't know, hopefully we don't do that, but God's there. God knows we're doing that. You know, and sometimes we don't realize that. If, if, if I knew, if I realized it more than academically, I wouldn't be doing some of the things I do. You know, I'd be, like I've been in the walk with you guys, you know, trying to show you that everything's good. But anyway, but we do need to realize that God's with us every bit. In conclusion, God wants to walk with you. So many scriptures, you want to get in your computer and all that, come up with all that. God wants to walk with you. He wants to walk with me. God hates it when things go bad, but He knows as a parent. We know sometimes tough love is hard. But God, God is in serious that. He knows what's good and what's bad. He sits beside us while we're traveling. He sits beside us while we're doing other things. God wants to put His arms around you. And just think sometimes when you're in a really, really hurting, bad, you know, emotionally and sad, for whatever reason, there's so many reasons. And God knows the, the pain that you're in. He knows the pain that I'm in at times. God wants to put His arms around us and, 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 and uh, when we're crying, when we're sad, when we're depressed, or when we're confused, sometimes we don't know what to do. And unfortunately, you know, the Holy Spirit uh, makes intercession for us. But God wants to comfort you. God says, in Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, I'm not going to turn to it, but then I'll know. He will never leave nor forsake you. And you might use, look at that and write it down and remember it later. God, God says, I will never leave nor forsake you. Never. Never. So let's continue walking with God every day. 